Test, test. Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Yeah, good. What a great day already. Um, I felt bad that you didn't get to be a part of the introduction, so I asked if you'd be a part of the introduction. But just before you do, I just... just so what's the sympathy thing? I'm here. It's a, it's a, sympathy, it's a sympathy introduction, correct. Um, but I do want to give it just, I want to tell a funny story because I want to give a shout out to friends that arrived today, Yurik and Erica uh, Hans from Southwestern Ontario, friends of Christina and mine from about 30 years ago. And uh, they asked that we would stand up and uh, be a part of their wedding. I had just started in ministry. And uh, so we went to a, a, a small town and uh, we got to the Catholic Church early and uh, and he had asked if, for, for just for, um, for the family's sake and for people that are attending, that I would wear um, a collar, which I did. And so we were early, so we went hand in hand into the coffee shop across the street from the Catholic Church. And it just got really quiet. In the, it just got quiet in the coffee shop. And, uh, and then we turned around and realized everybody was looking at us. And uh, so we, I, that's just a, a fun memory from your wedding. And uh, thanks for visiting us today. Uh, but we do have um, uh, um, the McTaggarts here today. Uh, and I'm going to say it wrong again. You say it. Tumana. Tumana. <laughs> I've been saying that for a while. He's been collecting, correcting. It's Tumona. I said, it's Tumana. So I, you stand corrected this morning. Yeah, well, we did both. We did the, both the names that, and the wrong one and the right one. So um, we're just really, really honored uh, today to have uh, this great couple with us. Planted a church in South Langley, B.C. Uh, over 27 years ago. Been in ministry for over 40. These are generals that are here this morning. Part of the same network that uh, Christine and I have been a part of for over 30 years. They're longer uh, in Portland, Oregon, Ministers Fellowship International. But then about five years ago, um, Canada began its own affiliate, and this great couple are giving oversight as chairpeople to that uh, network, our network that we as a church belong to, Christine and I belong to, and we start our conference this week. So be in prayer that we would get and our staff would get uh, an impartation. They have three children, seven grandchildren. They are amazing. You're going to find that out in about 30 seconds. Stand to your feet. Put your hands together. Let's honor this great couple this morning. Some say Tamana, some say Tamona, some say potato. Right. Is this, uh, which? I ended up with two. Twice as long. It is great to be with you, Harvest Christian Fellowship. And I just want to say to your pastors, it's really an honor and a privilege for us to be able to uh, come and speak this morning. I kind of follow you guys on Instagram and stuff, and you've had some great speakers here. And then they put that video thing on there about these, this high expectation. So I had to include Tamana with me just to make sure it was good. <laughs> um, you know what? We met your... Well, we've known your pastors for a little bit, but we actually uh, drove through Cornwall last summer and got to meet them and had lunch with them, and they showed us around. And I'm just telling you guys, you have 
great pastors. You'd... We, we, uh, we actually went home and we were bragging. We have nothing, you know, personal in investment, but we were bragging about the work that they're doing here and, uh, you know, with the daycare and all of the things here in the city. Uh, it, it was amazing. And so we just want to commend you guys yeah. and thank you again for the invitation of being here. And this is a great church. You just, you know what, you, you walk in and yeah. you start worshiping and I just, I'm thinking, this is a great church. You guys, this is a great church. So, I know Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris said this, but when we were worshiping and one of the things that I'm really bad at is words to songs. Yeah. And so we just sang it uh, and I'm going to believe in a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord, something like that. As we were saying, was that right? That's pretty good for me. I'm, I'm a senior and my memory just, psht, I don't know where it goes. Um, but as we were singing that, I just felt, uh, I know for me personally, somebody's name came to mind who's struggling. Uh, my sister-in-law is struggling with the beginning of dementia. She's in her early 60s. Uh, we were just on vacation with them, and her name came to mind, and I'm believing in a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. But I just felt the encouragement to you, who are you praying for? What are you praying for? Who are you thinking of in that statement and claim the battle belongs to the Lord? wanted to say that. Anyways, we're really happy to be here. And uh, our message this morning is entitled Things That Matter. And uh, I'm always appreciative when we go to a place and they don't tell us how long we have. I know you're not appreciative, but we're appreciative. <laughs> and uh, this passage that, that I'm going to be sharing with you comes out of Philippians. And and the whole thing is, is that as I entered into the new year, you know, you're always asking the Lord, what, what's important? What's this? And what should be taking place in my life and all these things? And there was one verse that stuck out to me that has just uh, resonated in my heart. Tamana and I have spoken and talked lots about this. Um, and it's from the book of Philippians. And uh, it's this in verses 9 and 11 in chapter 1. He says this, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Father, I invite your presence as you're already here, but we just pray, Holy Spirit, through these words, which are your words, I pray, God, that it would just speak to our hearts. Transform us and change us. God, I don't want to leave the same today. I want you to deposit something into my spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things before my wife comes. And you're, you're getting, this is what you call a double-barrel shotgun. 
So, um, but I, I wanted to say this first. When Paul starts this message, he says this. This message is also for elders and deacons. So he's writing to the saints in the church of Philippi, but he's also writing to the elders and deacons. And sometimes when you get in a position of leadership and stuff and thinking, well, that's great for them and that's good for them. This message is good for elders and deacons and me and you. Just throwing that out there. And this is the other thing. This is heart, uh, Paul's heart for the church. He said in the first prior, he said, God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And as we share our hearts this morning, that's what we believe uh, this morning, that we don't know you, but we love you because of who you are. We love you because of this church. We love you because of your pastors. And so we want to speak out of that compassion that comes from uh, Jesus. Uh, Wolfgang Goethe says this, things which matter most should never be at the mercy of things that matter least. And Martin Luther King says, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Well, <laughs> it is good to be here. My name again is Tamana. Tamana. Um, I appreciated your worship. Uh, we were worship pastors for many years, and uh, I just love and believe in the power of breakthrough in praise. You might be in church, and you're singing the song, and you're singing it with all your heart. You're breaking down walls. You're breaking lies of the enemy, and I felt that God is giving you the keys for the city. That's a big thing. You can loose, you can unlock with the keys of the city. And Roy, your assignment is not done. That's the thing. There's an assignment. Um, yeah, I loved what I loved about this, these pastors is what we're speaking about. And my first point is be authentic. And uh, I think uh, Mia, is it Mia? Yeah, you said no shame church. I love that. I just don't want to waste my time acting churchified or something. <laughs> I just, you just want to be around people that you can be real with. And let's just all acknowledge that we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? We just are. And that's the good news. That's, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Tell everybody. You got to listen to that song, that new song with Elevation. It's so good. Okay, so things that matter. First, and it's really big for Dave and I in our life as well, is be authentic. Be real. Be who you are. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes, and I'm going to read this passage of Scripture from the Passion, and just think about it. Put your name in if you want. You formed my innermost being, shaped my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. 
Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. And I know we have heard words like that from Psalm 139, but I think sometimes the devil wants us to think otherwise. You know, I talked about none of us are perfect, but some of us are bound by mistakes that we've made. Some of us are, um, we think we're less than. Um, sometimes we look at someone else, maybe publicly, which is such a crock. I mean, it's just publicly, you don't know them, and you, you, you put them up on a pedestal. There is a God that we can put on a pedestal because he loves every part of us. He loves us unconditionally. And it is a confidence that he wants to put in us. You know, we just came back from quite an amazing vacation, kind of once in a lifetime, France and Italy. It sounds so exotic, but um, we, yeah, it is. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was. But we got to see some amazing art. And I remember we went to the Louvre and we saw Mona Lisa. You know, they can't even insure it. It's, it's priceless. And yet, God's saying that. You're priceless. You're one of a kind. There's nobody like you. I mean, you really want to let that sink in. You're one of a kind. You're just you. All the different people in the world, you're still one of a kind. And we saw uh, Michelangelo's sculpture of David. And it, it really affected me. Um, the expression on his face. And the guy did it when he was 26. And he finished it when he was 29. Wow. And you can see veins, and, and you could look sideways, and you see a different expression. It's just phenomenal. Well, you are God's masterpiece. It says in Ephesians, we are God's masterpiece. I don't know who sets the rules, what, what is right, and what's, or what's perfect, and what's not, but God made me. God made you, this unique individual with these unique qualities. But sometimes we, um, I don't know, maybe through comparison, which is pretty brutal, um, we, we want to be like everybody else. We want to be kind of like the no-name brand. So in other words, you're all wearing yellow. Do you have that here? <laughs> so you're all wearing yellow, and you all look the same. Well, I mean, God is way bigger than that. Even in church, there's room for expression. There's room for different styles. There's, uh, there's room for uh, different abilities. Um, there's just more. And God isn't finished. This is awesome. This is beautiful. I loved Worship, worshiping with you this morning, and there's still more because God is big and He's creative and He's never He's never restricted to like that decade. Or I know like a hundred years from now, you wonder what they're going to be looking at. Like, yeah, it was kind of a thing a hundred years ago in the church for some reason. Or you know, you look thirty years ago and you're like, yeah, it was kind of a thing. Um, but we never want to make those things sacred. We just want to keep becoming more Christ-like, and we don't want to be generic. The other thing is we don't want to hide who we are. And I think for some of you here, you may have hidden who you are. Maybe it's so buried you don't even know what it is. You're like, I'm not hiding anything. Oh, yeah, deep inside of my soul, get up and praise the Lord. There's something deep in that maybe for some reason has been buried. Honestly, I'm up here speaking, but my husband for years said, you need to speak. And I said no. And I just kept saying no until finally um, God said, you have to say yes. And I'm like, oh, shoot. 
And I, I, I guess I was worried about failing. I was worrying about what people were seeing me. Maybe I was more performance-driven. Um, just, I don't know what it was, but I kept saying no. And I think sometimes there's, there'll be a moment where you'll say no, but you know inside it should have been yes. So I'm going to tell you, you start saying yes, because there's a lot inside of you. When we sang there's a lion inside, <laughs> it's not just singing louder. <laughs> it's not just raising your hands higher. Oh, there's something more. Oh, my goodness. And you'd be surprised what God's going to do. And you might be surprised where he does it. Um, so recently, someone gave me a text, and they said, uh, oh, I'm with this girl that said uh, she used to be a part of your neighborhood, and she became a Christian because of you, and also two other couples became a Christian because of you. You know what I texted back? This was only like a month ago. I said, oh, that's awesome. Is this for me? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, it's for you. And, uh, it, well, first of all, she put it in context. She goes, oh, it was when you lived in White Rock. And I'm like, okay. And then it started ringing a bell because I used talking to that person as an example when I preached, of a fail. So she was in my neighborhood, and she came up to me, and she said, there's something really different about you. And this is the fail. I go, oh, I've been working out. <laughs> you probably noticed how much I've been working out. And she goes, no, that's not it. And I go, and I go oh, well, I am a Christian. And I went into that and, and then prayed with her. But, you know, you know the enemy, he, you know what he, he highlighted was that fail. Like, oh, what a dumb thing to say. Like, I blew my moment because I said, oh, I'm working out. And so I never thought that I had an effect on her. And I thought it was just God affirming. You're, you're focusing on your mistake when I still work through you. <laughs> and, you know, and she goes, and I attribute your prayer to me and my husband becoming Christians and this other couple becoming Christian. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And for years, this happened like 30 years ago. I'm just thinking about what a fail. And I think that's what happens sometimes. The enemy just gets you focused on some stupid thing. God is way more gracious than that. He, he is very aware of her humanity, right? Amen. Come on. So we, we want to, we, I know we want to be a noble and perfect, but God is very aware of how human we are. He's very aware of our weaknesses, and he loves us. And that's the good news. Okay, so be authentic. Be authentic. Don't be generic. Don't hide. So the other thing is, being authentic is a regular exercise in showing your imperfections. <laughs> if you're going to be authentic, you're going to have to show imperfections. But as you show imperfections, you're also giving other people permission to show their imperfections. The other thing is, when you are authentically who you are, you'll never feel more fulfilled and more anointed and more natural. And people are attracted to that because they think it's real. It's not fake. I'm, you're not trying to be church lady or you're not trying to be whatever. You're just being who you are. And you're giving them permission. They feel safe, like no shame church. They feel safe. They feel safe even if, even if it's, it's not even a mistake. They just be, they, you just empower them to be who they are. And you can root them on. So be authentic. That's my first point. Take it away, honey. See, we're getting older, so we take a rest. <laughs> Isn't that pathetic? No. So the, I, I'm the, joking. We don't. No. The point of this is, what things really matter? What my wife said, being authentic really matters as you grow in your knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ so that you can live pure and holy and fruitful lives. 
This is what matters. So you can tell the difference. She's a woman and I'm a guy. You could tell that, right? Okay, good. that's a good start. But also in the way we view this in our perspective, she's talking about authenticity. I'm talking about what really matters is living in relationship. Really matters. First off and foremost, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now that might seem one of those, well, duh, you know, we're in a church, we're Christians, we're here. Uh, but it's not as clear as all of that. And so many leaders become, and people become more concerned with ministry or what you're doing and your goals than they are with their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And this verse just recently, oh man, this, this one hit me. So Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's going to be leaving and he's going to send his Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, and, and he's going through all of this. And then Philip says to him in John 14, this is after Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Philip says, well, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And this is Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? And I thought, here's Philip, who's been traveling and watching the miracles. And yet when it comes down to the crunch, and he says to Jesus, I want to see the Father. And he says, you've been with me that long? I think often with us as Christians, we've been in church, we've been around Jesus, we've read the Bible, we've done all those things, but we still get to that place where we don't know Jesus. And so my encouragement, again, is just for us to consider these things and think about, this really matters in our life. Probably more than anything else is your relationship with Jesus Christ. So I love Tamana, or Tamona. Some say Tamana. So, uh, and like she said, we just had this opportunity. It's one of those one in a lifetime trips and it's the only time we'll ever be able to afford it. So we went and, uh, but I love my wife. We've been married 46 years and I love my wife, but there's times. No, 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 no. You're thinking the wrong thing. There's times when I take her for granted. She's with me, we're there, we eat. I mean, we're empty nesters now, our kids are all growing up. And so we're together a lot, all the time, and I love her. I've declared my love to her, honey, I love you, right? I could say, but there's times when you forget about that and you take it for granted. How often do we do that in our relationship with Jesus? Just, we take it for granted. And I'm constantly reminding myself, this really matters. My relationship with Jesus. Uh, my life verse, Mark 12, 30, 31. The most important thing you can do is you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I, that's been my life verse. When we planted our church, that was our life theme. Every, everything about that is loving Jesus, loving the Lord God Almighty, and loving all of the people around us. The person of Jesus Christ really matters. Hmm. 
You know, over the years, I've performed more than, I don't know, 200 weddings. And countless times you see people look into their eyes and they declare how much they love each other. But they're only 19 and 21. And uh, I've gotten in trouble for saying this. And I says, you do not know the depths of where your love can go as you pursue it. And I want to encourage you that you would pursue daily your love with Jesus Christ. I had an illustration I was thinking about before and I totally forgot it. So I guess you're, you're lucky. But here's, here's the thing. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, your relationship with others, it really matters. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, uh, there's a dispute between two women. And, and Paul says to them in verse 2, he says, please resolve your differences because you belong to the Lord. We've gone through a season these last few years where people's differences have divided the church and split relationships, even sometimes the closest of relationships. And yet when I see this, please, please resolve your disagreement because you belong to the Lord. Your relationships are more important than anything else. Your relationships with one another, with your family, they really matter. Your relationship with the church matters. How do you respond to the church? You know, you guys were talking about starting uh, small groups. And uh, in our church, we call them life groups. And uh, I can't remember from the announcements, but you call them small groups. We have this saying in our church is that Sunday morning is the face of the church. Small groups are the heart of the church. And I, I want to encourage you, if you've never been in a small group, that's where you begin to build relationship. That's where you begin to live out your life together. That's where, you know, if you do see further in that passage where he's saying, you know, please resolve your differences. And then he encourages the church, help them resolve their differences. So your relationship with Jesus Christ really matters. Your relationships with one another and with people in your life and your family really matters. And your relationship with this church and the church you're in really matters. I just thought I wanted to add, um, you see my husband up here, and uh, you don't know that when we met, he wasn't a Christian. Um, he was a leader in the wrong way. He was known for many things. And uh, we started dating. My parents let me date him. Uh, just said, don't you dare marry a non-Christian. So, so I took it a step further with our kids. Don't you dare date a non-Christian, but whatever. And uh, we, we, uh, we, he said he was a Christian, so I thought, okay, that's fine. Good. We're good. And then I noticed he was saying things like, I hate it when you say the Bible says. I'm like, oh. And use your mind. And uh, he got really adamant about it, and we actually broke our engagement up. First over salvation. And then, uh, yeah, and uh, he, I think he became saved in his mind. And uh, then the second time we broke up was over the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that took a way bigger step of faith for him. I'm not saying it has to be that way. Like literally the ring went back again. Uh, the first time his mom sent it to the bank in the security box. The second time she hung it in a light fixture, like hidden in a light fixture. 
And we looked like the loser couple from hell. Like, like we looked like least likely to succeed in marriage. And, you know, just going back to the giftings you have within you, you'd be surprised. People, I remember a pastor coming, he said, I never thought I'd see the day when Dave McTaggart would be up here leading worship. I'm like, and it just went on from there. Like, never thought I'd see the day when I'd see Dave, you know. And then Dave gets this burning desire and courage to say we're stepping out of uh, MFI as a whole, and we're going to be MFI Canada. And there was silence in the room. But God saw some bravery in him. God saw some courage in him. And, you know, you just, just don't despise the time of small beginnings. And I just wanted to say that because I think some of you in this room have said that, oh, not me. And, or maybe you've said it about someone, oh, not them. <laughs> God is just full of surprises how he wants to use people. And he doesn't do it, he doesn't really do it in a weird way. He does it in a really natural way. And sometimes the natural ways we don't see because we're making it weird how he's going to use us. You know, he doesn't want us to be weird. It might be just so supernaturally natural how he wants to use you in your work, in your, in your school, in your, in your acquaintances, in your street when you're saying, oh, the difference is I work out, not, <laughs> you know, he wants to use you. So don't despise that. So anyways, be authentic, be who God called you to be. My second point is be soft. Soft means easy to mold, not hard or firm to touch. And I have a little story and then I have some scripture and then I have a few little points that I'm gonna do in about 10 minutes. But um, I think two years ago, uh, our daughter-in-law, one of our daughter-in-laws uh, gave me and her mom uh, a Mother's Day gift and we were gonna do pottery. And I was really excited because I think I'm kind of artistic and I like drawing and I like creating and I was really looking forward to it. And uh, we get to the place, they give you a piece of clay and the clay's actually quite hard. And so you have to really pound it and you're like pressing on it. And like already I was kind of getting bored with that. I'm also impatient. So it's like, oh, and just, this is really crummy, and I have to move my hand, and my hand's hurting, and okay, okay, and then you add water, and so then, okay, so you finally get all that done. That seems really boring. You're not creating anything, and then you have to throw it on the wheel, and you can't always throw the, it right on the wheel. Like, it has to be centered, and if it's not centered, it, as you, it gets bigger, it starts wobbling because it's not centered. So you can guess how it was going for me. It was just going lousy. And the funny thing is my daughter-in-law, her mom, she said, I don't even care about pottery, but she was doing great. So I was also kind of like, hmm. And, and then like, oh, you're really doing great. Here, here's some more clay and you can do this. And, and I'm, it's mine's like spinning around. It's starting to get, and I'm impatient. So I'm holding it, but you have to hold it really gently. But of course, if you just hold it even slightly too wrong or you want to speed up the process, you wreck it. And then the teacher comes and she takes a string and she takes all the clay off. She goes, and I said, can't we just use that? And she goes, no, nope, useless, and it's gone. And so, <laughs> like we were gonna build a vase. And so, you know, mother of my daughter-in-law is doing amazing and hers is way up here. And this is what I ended up with. <laughs> I know. Humiliating. I, I put garlic in it in my cupboard. I don't even show it anywhere. I thought I've got to I've got to do something with it. And the funny thing is, my daughter said, "I knew that that would happen because I I knew that you you're impatient and I didn't see it going well." I'm like, just like we're so unaware of ourselves sometimes. 
Anyways, so I say the pottery story. There's lots of analogies in it. But it says in Isaiah 64, 8, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. And you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. And I even thought of how, you know how in James, when it says, just count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. Like, you got to be kidding me. It's just so joyful. I just love those trials and temptations. They're so much fun. It's kind of like the pounding of the clay. The clay can't be used until it's softened. And there's amazing things. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because we don't understand it, God calls us to trust him as the good father. And it's, it's a lifelong journey. I trust you. I trust you. I don't see the results. And that's faith. And that's why it's so pleasing to God, because he, we have to trust that he's really good. And he knows way more. And he sees further. And, and we're impatient in the process. But he's softening us. And to us, it's just like pounding. What a waste of time. I hate it. Whatever. The other thing is, this is a really cool verse. It's in the message in Romans 2, 5. God is kind, but he's not soft. In his kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. You're not getting by with anything. He's gentle, but he's not soft. He holds us. Christ is our firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. So he's not changing. He's holding us. The other thing is he's gentle, though, so he's not doing the little poke, poke, or the shame, shame. He's holding us till we shape. And the thing is, he wants to create something really amazing. We're way better than this. Seriously, we're way better than this. Um, being soft also means not being hard or rigid. And I, I've seen this where people, getting to be right is more important than almost anything. And, you know, of course we have opinions, and of course we have convictions, but what is most important is that we are spreading a good gospel about a beautiful Jesus and a beautiful Savior. And we want to be that soft place to land that people feel they can. We don't want to be the hard, you gotta, you got to meet the standard, or you got to go up the rung, or even subconsciously what we put on people. We want them to feel that this is the good news. I can come just as I am. Just like Billy Graham made famous, just as I am, I can come. And I know what it's like to land or to land on something hard. About last time we met, you guys, I think I broke my back about four and a half months before that. It's really painful, really crummy process. Um, and I fell on concrete and broke my back, and it was painful. And it was a long rehabilitation. Well, sometimes that's what we could have a possibility of doing where we're hard. We're hard with our words. We're hard with our response. And that doesn't help what we think we're trying to help. I'm not saying there's, I mean, of course, discipline is good. And of course, truth is good. But you know what I mean? We don't want to be just the noise, the clanging bell. Um, and it, yeah, we just don't want to be that loud noise that no one can hear. Because like, I can't hear you for your anger. I can't hear you from how mad you are. I just, we want to be that soft place to land. The other thing is, um, we can also be, we have to be careful about pride. And I know we all think, no, I'm not full of pride. But the Bible talks so much about it, I think it's a thing. I'm pretty sure it's a thing. And I'm pretty sure we need humility because we, we tend to shift very subtly. And Satan, you know that Satan's very subtle. He's not walking around in the, in the red costume with the horns. He's way more subtle than that. 
So he gets us thinking a little thought, and we kind of start feeling pretty good. And I'm not trying to, of course, we can be secure and have confidence, but confidence in God. And without realizing it, we can be proud and secure and confident in ourselves. And then it becomes a little tricky because then it's pride. And then pride goes a little further and says, I actually know better. And then it goes a little further and says, I actually am better. So you got to guard and keep your heart soft. Um, the other way we can become hard is, and I, it's a real defense mechanism, but when people hurt you, don't you kind of want to put up a wall to protect yourself? You know, they might be hurling words at you, or worse, they might be hurling stuff at you. But you, you put up a protective wall, and you kind of step back. Notice even as I'm saying it, I'm stepping back, because you want to protect yourself. And that can also be a way of not remaining soft. Because you, you just get, and pretty soon, a mask comes upon you, and pretty soon you get harder and you get more unforgiving. What we have to remember, some things just to be soft, have a forgiving attitude. And I know forgiveness is hard. I'm a slow forgiver. I say that, I say that tentatively. Um, the Bible says you forgive 70 times 7. In other words, you're going to have to do it a lot. And it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it comes in layers. And sometimes those layers, they're still in the right direction. But you know what the expression is? Forgiveness, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So practice forgiving, forgiveness. It's the way of Jesus. Forgive them. He says on the cross, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Sometimes when I'm challenged, I try to, like, God, give me your eyes to see where this person is coming. Usually when I hear their story, it fills me with compassion and it softens me. Because I thought, oh, I'd probably be way worse than you if I had to live what you've lived through. But forgiveness, you have to practice the way of forgiveness. Jesus commands it. It's, it's difficult, and you just have to do it. The other thing is, sometimes we have to apologize. That's really humbling. Have you ever had to say you're sorry? Say, no, because I'm always right. <laughs> I know. And, and, it, and don't you feel good after you apologize? Don't you, do you ever feel like a weight's being lifted? Like, oh, actually, I actually, I didn't want to. And I'm saying apologize without putting a spin on it. Because, you know, you, you feel kind of exposed. I just wanted to apologize. I felt like I was a little defensive or this or that. You know, you kind of want to say, but, because. But, but just to apologize. Practice apology. Um, the other thing is conversation. Uh, I think this is a really good word nowadays, is be willing to have a conversation with people. They might not have said something that you agree with. They might be uh, touting something else. They might be having another opinion. But it, just have a conversation. Like, I'm curious. Can you just tell me your story? And uh, willing to hear them, willing to listen. That's pretty powerful. So as a church, I want to as a church worldwide, I want to challenge us to have conversations with people. Sometimes we can just be up in arms and we feel very noble and I can't believe that. A lot of the time, I feel like saying, they're not Christians, and the world is deprived, and the world is not following Jesus. How do you expect them to act? You know, it's kind of like trying to get the horse or the cart before the horse. Um, first of all, we just have to meet them and get to know them and, and get close to them and even be willing to listen to them and understand them and hear that story. I mean, become a Christian, and all sorts of things can happen. Be moldable. 
this is just my last little point going back to this. Be willing to be moldable. Uh, be willing to be changed and conformed into his image. Like in Philippians, not that I've already attained, not that I've already accomplished, but I keep pressing forward. Keep being soft. Keep getting that water. Like with the clay, it has to have water to be softened. Keep getting uh, in a place where God can touch you and shape you. And you can walk in like, forgive me for that. Or apologize. Or he'll convict you. You need to go to that person and make it right. You stay soft. And when you're not, you know that you're walking maybe in pride or unforgiveness. You know, have you ever been around a person that's really harboring unforgiveness? They, they, they start getting harder and harder. They start getting angrier and angrier because forgiveness is difficult, especially if you've been the one that's been abused by the, the sins. So, so, and learn to apologize, have conversations, and be moldable. David. She's quite good, isn't she? No. You know, it doesn't really matter where we go, but if I go somewhere by myself, the first thing people ask me is, where's Tamana? So I'm thankful to be here. So here's another one of these <clears throat> basic thoughts of something that I believe really matters, and that's that you would open your heart to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Fresh power, fresh experience, in Mark 1, uh, John announced, someone's coming who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Of course, Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One last passage, Luke 11, verses 9 to 13. And Jesus is saying this, so I, I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking that you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And you might, like I know this, this is a Holy Spirit church. You believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but my experience in our church is we're a Holy Spirit church, but some people have not been open to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I came, when I grew up, I came from a traditional church in Canada. Traditional, liberal, non-gospel church. So basically a good service club. So when I met Tamana, the whole idea of salvation was like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm a Christian. I never even heard the gospel. I never heard that you need to be saved. I didn't even know what it meant. And I'd been in church most of my life. 
Anyways, we got that one figured out. And then she started talking about the Holy Spirit. It freaked me out. Like, I only knew at the end of the service, you know, we bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the only time I ever heard that. And in my day, it was Holy Ghost. So it's even scarier. So that's, that's all I knew. But as God began to speak to me and show me, and you have to understand this, I would not accept anybody telling me stuff. I had a degree from university in education, and I was smart, S-M-R-T. I was so smart that, uh, anyways, I had to find this out on my own. I read books, I started reading the scripture, and scripture didn't make any sense to me. And we were at a conference with, uh, you might not know this name, but there's a full gospel businessmen movement years ago, still around some places. But the founder of it was Demas Shikarian, and somebody bought us tickets to go see him. And so we went to the conference or the dinner, and at the end, of course, he was talking about the Holy Spirit, and he had everybody stand up, and I'm sitting at a table with her family, and, and he says, if you want to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, put up your hand, and I'm thinking... There is no way I'm going to give her family the satisfaction. And so I literally, I shoved my hands in my pockets. I remember this so clearly. And before I knew it, my hand was up. That's all I can say. So the Bible says, and, and I did get filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, if you ask, your heavenly father is going to give it to you. And Jesus, he says, this is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God Almighty to help us live our daily lives. A number of years ago, um, I bought Tamana a gift for Christmas. I bought her top-of-the-line KitchenAid blender. Now, before you go thinking what you're thinking, I know you're not supposed to buy appliances for your wife at Christmas time. I know that. But I also know my wife's quite frugal, and she had a... She had a food processor that one of the blades had broken off and it only had one speed and she used it. She'd keep hauling it out. So I thought she'll never buy one. So I bought her one for Christmas. Do you know that it stayed in the box for four years? <laughs> and it was in the cupboard. And then finally, I took it out to the garage. Didn't even open it. Didn't even cut the seal. Nothing. This really nice KitchenAid blender. And I was frustrated after four years. And so finally, I brought it in from the garage. I opened it up and took it out of the box and put it on the counter. I'm, I'm serious, four years. And there it sits, and it's all gleaming color. And she'd bring out her old food processor <laughs> right beside it with a broken blade and one speed. I still use it. She still <laughs> uses it. But she does use the KitchenAid blender now too. My point is this. Jesus Christ has given us a gift of the Holy Spirit, and yet sometimes we never use it, and we never even take it out of the box. 
So throughout scripture, Paul in his writings talks about all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to focus on this gift or that gift or any gift. What I want to focus on is that Jesus has given us a gift that's going to help us in our life. It's going to guide us. He's going to teach us. He's going to lead us. He's going to bring to remembrance things that we've learned. He's going to give us gifts. He's going to empower us to accomplish what he wants to do. And it's through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is available to everybody. And yet I've been with people, friends, when, when I ask them, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And, and they don't answer. I have no idea what the state is and where you are in your life, but all I want to encourage you with this morning is that you would open your heart to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know sometimes, it, like I said, it freaked me out because I knew the Holy Spirit was kind of out there. I never knew the Holy Spirit could be in me and would help me. And I remember distinctly when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the first thing I noticed more than anything is I opened the Bible and it was like, there was a spotlight on it. And I'm thinking, wow, look what this says. This actually applies to me. And it makes sense because in Timothy, Paul writes, the scriptures are inspired by the breath of God, the Ruah of God, the Holy Spirit. And if the scriptures have been inspired by the Holy Spirit, we need to read them in the lens of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I, that's why it's so important. And then you might be in a situation or like I've been in places where I've had to go counseling and I'm thinking, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I'll drive in my car and I'll be praying in tongues for I don't know how long. And then I get there and I feel like the Holy Spirit has just given me the right Thing. We had a couple, they, I'm sorry, we're, are you guys doing okay? We, we only got like six more points, so we should be good. No, I'm, I'm not sure. But, you know, so this, this guy phones me up and he says, my wife and I were having problems. We got issues. You need to help her. You change her. And I'm thinking, oh, and he says, we got issues. And, and he was a very um, legal Pentecostal believer, grown up in the church, decades in his family and stuff. She was a new believer that had come out of the new age movement. And I'm thinking, I have no idea. I don't want to get into all your issues. And so as I prayed, the Lord gave me a verse in Proverbs. And so we sat down and I said, before we get into all your issues, I just want to say this. I says, Proverbs says this, and forgive me for not quoting it properly, but it's pretty good, pretty good translation. Uh, he who says... I'm just joking. It's like hitting your friend in the back with an ax. And both of them, their jaws dropped. That's what we do. We always say, just joking. It's like hitting your friend in the back with an ax. You have to look it up in Proverbs somewhere. That's, I can't remember. What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit led me into that, helped me into that, will help you in your circumstances and your situations. But you have to open your heart to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We live in the age of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what your backgrounds are. But more than anything, for us to be effective followers of Jesus Christ, he purposely left and sent us his spirit 
so that we could continue in the mission that he had for us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. I'm just telling you this because I believe that this really matters. My life radically changed after I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I'm sorry, one last little story and then my wife can come. I graduated from the University of British Columbia with a degree in education and music. Weird, because I cannot perform. I hate being in front of audiences. So I became a music teacher, so my back was always to the audience. That, that helped me. The only times I actually tried to perform, it was horrible. I just, I am not a performer. And so when God called me to plant a church and stand up in front of people and talk, there is only one way I could do this. And that's by the Holy Spirit. It is not my nature to want to stand up in front of people at all. But I trust the calling of God and I trust the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's just, honestly, could you just do it right now? Just put your hands out like this. Every day, first thing in the morning, just say, come Holy Spirit. Come and fill me. Use me today. Release your gifts in my life. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. And God promises he will give you the Holy Spirit. So we've, I've talked about being authentic, being real, and being soft. And my last point is love large. Dave alluded to the scripture already. Matthew, I'm going to read it in Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Take note, hey? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these words. All, all, all. So important. And so divine. The first point in that is fall in love with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I know you can tell your story when you fall in love with Jesus. But you know, like a marriage, sometimes you feel like you're kind of, you need like a refresh or a reboot. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. You know, falling in love, you know how everything seems more brighter? Like, oh, the sky, you know, like elf. He goes, I'm in love, and I'm love, and I don't, I don't care who knows about it, I'm love. Well, sometimes God wants us to get deliriously in love with him again, where he's just everything, and get that relationship right. There's a scripture in uh, Revelation 2.4 where it says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance, dedicated, not being weary, but you have forsaken your first love. I'm actually going to read it in the New Living Translation, and it was to the church in Ephesus. And it, it sounded like quite a good history of things that they had done, but here it said, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered with me without quitting, and you have this complaint, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. 
Look how far you have fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again and work. Now, it's interesting because they were uh, making sure that they were right in doctrine and they were very precise and they're working really hard to make sure everything is correct. <laughs> he goes, look how far you've fallen. They were, the priorities were way off. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It has to come out of love. Love is the soft landing. Love is the powerful. Divine love is powerful. Love, you love people with the love of Jesus, they'll never forget it. I remember this lady, uh, just being honest, she just drove me nuts. And uh, lo and behold, she was in our life group. And I remember praying for her. And it was the Holy Spirit just filled me with so much love for her. And what a prayer time we had. She never forgot it. Because it was Jesus. You know, no one does it like Jesus. It wasn't me. And in, in our human beingness, we will not love people well. But the Holy Spirit can put that divine love in us that is powerful. And it's so encouraging. And when you can't love someone, God, give me your eyes to see them. Give me, let me be your hands to touch them with your love. Give me your heart for them. He will actually enlarge your heart. You know, like the Grinch that stole Christmas. He will enlarge your heart. But it is so imperative. It's first love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's so good. And I know it's, it's such a common word because, you know, I also love Coke Zero or I also love this. But it, it's, a, it's a powerful concept. And if the church gets a hold of it, it's life-changing for people that, it, that are hit with this divine divine love. Fall in love with Jesus. Another thing is love always leads to action. You know, love is a verb. Thank you, DC Talk. Thank you, 1990s, somewhere in there. Yeah, love is a verb. Love naturally goes into action. It displays. It, it, it goes toward people. It goes toward unlovely. It even gives us courage to do things we don't think we could because the love is big, bigger. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here. John 3, 16 and 17. Many of you may know it. Many of you may not. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But the next verse I love almost even more. For God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, it's a love story. You see, Christianity is a relationship. You see, this whole Bible, it's about people that were messed up, they were inadequate, they were despised, they weren't the cream of the crop, and God said, I'm going to use them. You go to Matthew, and you read through that list of genealogy of Jesus, what a bunch of losers. And then you, and then you look at the women, I mean, you name it. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, because that's the gospel. That's the power. And if we get that, like we get it to the point that we want to say, this is the good news. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you just as we are. Sinner, messed up, confused. And he can change it. And he's going to do it from the inside out. He's not going to do it from the outside in. I'm just a vehicle of Jesus. But it's this action of knowing this love. And the world has a lot of voices, and sometimes I think we lend ourselves to voices that don't matter as much as this message of this is the gospel. This is who Jesus Christ is. 
He loved us while we were yet sinners. He loved us when no one else loved us. He is faithful. He is unconditional in his love. And he is for us. And he knows that we're going to mess up. And we can walk and say, and we can walk in honesty and, and be authentic. And we can be real. And we can be vulnerable. And we can say it to God who will come. And he's like, I know. That's exactly what I wanted. And then we have verses that say, and then when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because I'm not leaning on myself. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaning on Jesus. And he wants a people that lean on him. You know, in Song of Solomon, towards the end of Song of Solomon, it talks about who is, this, who is my beloved coming out of the desert, leaning on the arm, right, of her. Who is this coming out of the desert, leaning on the arm of her beloved? That's what he wants. He wants us to come through a, even the desert places leaning on him. And to the point that people won't recognize it. I tell you, anything that's made a difference in my life or anything in my life that's made a difference in other people is Jesus. And I really want people to fall in love with him. Because he is so good. He's so faithful. He's sincerely so beautiful. Beautiful one. Fall in love with him. Fall in love with him. Luke 6.32, don't just love those who love you. What credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Love your enemies. Oh my goodness. Because the world knows that's supernatural. Love your enemies. Love those that despise you. Love those that have used you. Love them. How do you do that? Oh, you do it with a supernatural love. And they have to see that. They have to see that the world will know that you're my disciple if you have loved one for another. That's the other verse. Um, John 13, 35. Every person will know this, that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You know, when I talked about us being authentic and we're this beautiful masterpiece and we're all unique, in the Bible it talks about that in 1 Corinthians 12. And it's like the variety is immense and we're all part of a body. And it talks about how we have to be careful, right? Because we might think, oh, I wish I was this and I'm not that. Or we might think, oh, I'm this and they're only that. It talks about, it, it alludes to issues. It, it alludes to misunderstanding. It, it alludes to you don't understand where someone's coming from because you're just, you're not that gift set. And you're like, I don't really understand that. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. Take a deep breath. Pray. And have a conversation. Like, oh, I didn't quite get that. What were you meaning by that? Because God, then it goes to see 1 Corinthians 12 goes into 1 Corinthians 13. The big love chapter. Very strategic. <laughs> You're going to not get along. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars on this world. You're human. You're going to do crazy things to each other. But I come with this love that keeps no record of wrong. I come with this love that's not going to compare. I come with this love that's supernatural. So I'm saying so that you can be filled with a love that will change everything. I've seen it. I, I've seen women come into my office like bawling. This one woman, I mean, she was a mess physically, emotionally. Dave served, she was divorced from a man. She was divorced from a woman. Um, yeah, Dave served divorce papers to, to one of them. But anyways, but she's just hit with the love of God. And she said, and I was really, I was just shocked. I didn't know how to do it, but she's just repenting before me. I didn't do anything. I hardly knew what I was doing. I just met with her and just loved her. 
And she says, you know, you guys, you let me be who, you just accepted me where I am. Everyone's on a journey, church, everyone's on a journey. They're not all here. They're not all there. We're all on this journey. Our job is to face people to Jesus. We're not, we're not shopkeepers. We're not uh, marketing agents. We're not trying to be generic, have the best hoo-ha-ha-ha-ha. We're trying to face people to Jesus because that's the answer. Jesus is the answer. And so that's the good news, and that's what you do. And you do it in your own giftings, in your own ability, in your own style, in your own way, in your own opportunities that God gives to you. So love, love large. He'll help you to see people that you don't even notice. You're like, do to do going along, and you're like, oh, feel drawn to this person. You're going to feel and see people better because you have eyes of Jesus. Amen? Amen. I know what it means when the music starts. I've been around church for a while. Can I just finish with one thing? Because again, these are things that we feel matter. And this last one is this. Stay in mission. The gospel. Missio Dei, that's a Latin term that can be translated the mission of God. And it refers to what our church, the church's work is. And uh, we get distracted from the mission of God, which is the gospel and all these things we've been talking about and loving large and all of those things. We get distracted. Uh, uh, when I drive, I get distracted. And, and it's not with cell phones or anything like that, but my car is, was 20 years old. So it didn't have any technology or anything like that. And we'd be driving down the road and Tamana would say to me, oh, look at that over there, isn't that awesome? I'd look at it, but my hands would look too. And so like so many times, Dave, get, you know, and I'd have to get back. Like my driving was like, I don't know, I just like to look at things. And she, so she stopped telling me about things. Anyways, uh, I just got a new car. After 20 years, we got a new car in, in January, and it's got all the bells and whistles in now, and every time I'm distracted, it beeps and does this, and <coughs> but it keeps me focused, and I think that the Holy Spirit wants to keep us focused in the mission that God has called us. God has called Harvest Christian Fellowship into mission with him for this city, for Cornwall. Our nation needs these kinds of things that Tamana is talking about. Your city needs to experience the love of Jesus Christ. They need to experience the message and the care and the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's the mission that this church is on. And my encouragement to you is stay in mission. <coughs> Romans, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are your feet? Because you're the messengers who bring the good news. The future depends on what you and I do today. The gospel of Jesus Christ. But know this, God is already on mission. He's inviting us into his mission. To me, that really matters. Our nation, more than ever, 
needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ and how much he loves and cares and wants to save. That Jesus Christ, <coughs> excuse me, is not condemning the nation of Canada. He's come to save the nation of Canada. And we have that opportunity to be in that mission. Are you with us? Just one last thing in our, like when we do budgeting in our church. I grew up in a church where they would have a part of the budget for evangelism and all the money would go to evangelism. Well, when we started our church, I scrapped that and every ministry had to include evangelism in their budget outreach. Because it's not just a department, it's every one of us. We have this outreach component. And right now, people want transformation, not information. And only transformation comes from Jesus. The things that matter is be authentic, live in relationships, stay soft, open your heart to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, love large, stay in mission. I'm not sure how you want to end, Pastor, but we, Tamana and I'd be happy to pray for you. There's a lot of things that we've thrown out there, but we would, you know, if there's something that resonates in your heart, we'll make ourselves available to pray for you. Uh, but let me just pray for you as a church. Father, I thank you for Harvest Christian Fellowship. And I thank you for the work that you have done through them, but even more, the work that you will do through these people, this this congregation, the people of God, the family of God. God, I pray that you just begin to enlarge their hearts for the city of Cornwall. God, that you begin to enlarge their hearts for the, those that don't know Jesus. God, that you would just begin to work by the power of your spirit and God, release people in gifts as they communicate and, and walk through the city and go to work and minister to people and share the gospel. Father, let your Holy Spirit work through this house. Let your Holy Spirit work in people's lives as they go one day from another to work, to school, wherever it might be. People filled with the Holy Spirit, taking the message of the gospel wherever they go. God, do that work in your name. God, yes, O oh Lord. For I am giving you the strategies of the Spirit, says the Lord. They are not the strategies of a man. They are not things that have been learnt in this world, but they are strategies of the Spirit. Take heed and hear my voice, says the Lord, for I will open up places that have been locked. I will op open up places that have eluded you, says the Lord, but it'll be done by the strategy of the Holy Spirit. It'll be done by the time spent in my presence. It'll be done as you listen to him. Do not despise the time of small beginnings. Do not despise the wait. Do not despise maybe even despair, but I am going to do some amazing things, says the Lord. As you wait on me, as you listen to me, as you obey me, as you step out and act, Lord, I pray that you give this church boldness and courage in places that maybe they haven't expressed it, but there is courage in their heart. Lord, I pray that you would release in them faith to believe for the impossible more than ever before. I know you already do, but more than you ever have before. Amen. And to believe and contend in the spirit for those things that you have waited for. Put strength 
to contend in these people. Put a tenacity in these people. Put a faith vision that is greater and bigger because God, you are greater and bigger. Not because it sounds like a good thing, but sincerely, you put a desire in the hearts of this place. And we pray for the city of Cornwall and we pray for the surrounding areas. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. I believe Amen. the Lord would just say there's people that have things in their heart they want to step out into. And I, I just felt really strongly as Tamana was uh, prophesying that the Lord is going to open doors that you never thought would open. He's going to make opportunities that will take you by surprise, but because you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be able to walk into them and step into them, and God will lead you. But God has some amazing doors. I, I even feel like you've been knocking at doors, and it just seems like this is not opening. But I feel the Lord says that He is going to begin to open doors that have not been opened. And you're going to begin to see God do an amazing thing through Harvest Church in this city. Amen. We're happy to pray for you guys. And I know you want to go home and stuff. But One more time, just put your hands together. Let's just thank this great couple for coming today. We're going to dismiss you if you just stand with me this morning. Uh, we do have our connection time uh, in the Lord Cafe. Please stay uh, for that. I think donuts are being served. If our prayer team could come forward as well just to help. If you want anything this morning uh, to agree, to have people agree with you in prayer, we want to do that. Um, and even this morning, if the whole idea of having a relationship with Jesus is something that's new to you, uh, come and just say, hey, I want to meet Jesus today. And one of these great uh, folks will pray with you. Father, thank you for this great morning. Bless us now as we go, Lord, with the things that really matter. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.